Welcome to the Digital Transformationists podcast. On today's episode, we're joined by Eileen Horgan, VP of Marketing at Gremlin. We'll hear about her experience navigating the incredible trajectory of digital transformation at Atlassian and Gremlin, the importance of resilience in a time of disruption, the value that chaos engineering brings to our distributed world, her marketing philosophy, and her experience with digital transformation and music consumption from the days of making mixtapes to today. Eileen, welcome to the podcast. It's so good to see you. Thank you. I'm really excited to be here. Right on. And I'd like to introduce you to the famous G-Love, Garrett Dutton. Hey, Eileen. Good to meet you. Hey, what's up? Great to meet you. Big fan. <laughs> oh, thank you very much. So uh, funny story. Eileen and I have seen each other uh, as we've been doing business at Lassian for, for ages now. But the only time we get to see each other is like in Barcelona, some places in Europe, places in like California, San Francisco. We never see each other in Austin, even though we've both lived in Austin for a very long time. But it's, it's just so good to see you, even if it's just over Zoom. Um, Eileen, you've had a, a, a phenomenal career at Atlassian. Um, as most of our listeners know of Atlassian, it's a great company, great culture, innovative, really uh, you know, building technologies and products, uh, the, the de facto products for how companies build software and, and solve some of their biggest challenges. Um, can you share with us just your thoughts and, and what you've learned of your career at Atlassian and, and perhaps how it's a differentiator uh, in, in the space that it's in? Yeah, you bet. Um, uh, incredible ride at Atlassian. I have nothing but, you know, the utmost respect for for the teams there, the leadership teams, the individuals, uh, really talented uh, uh, staff. What they've built and managed and added to their product portfolio, like you said, are some of the the leading products in market for what they're doing. I think you know one of the more important things that Atlassian stands for is is team and for and culture, right? So there's a strong emphasis on using technology to to connect teams, to build a culture of collaboration. And that extends in some to some degrees into, you know, personal lives. So some of our products that that Atlassian's known for were um, about, you know, personal use. Um, and then for for in other instances, some of those products are really just about team collaboration and, and focusing on building better processes to to bring teams together. One thing I think they they do really well is around distributed teamwork. So prior to COVID, Atlassian was well known for leading in the distributed teamwork space, right? So when I was at Atlassian, my last role, I had teams in Sydney, I had teams in Bangalore, India, in San Francisco, in the South Bay, and in Austin. So you can imagine we were globally dispersed. We learned a lot about what it took to build, you know, strong remote or distributed uh, teamwork. And, and a lot of that came down to practice. It came down, came down to openness and transparency and, um, and, and, a, and a culture of trust. What's the work culture like? And then, you know, how does that help the productivity and engagement of of, of everybody that's working with you there, that worked with you there. Yeah, Atlassian um, for years was, it probably still is one of the best companies to work for in the world. And um, 
that is exemplified. And I think it really comes down to their core values. They have five core values and they're not just plastered on the walls. They actually are critical to the company's DNA. And one of those is around openness and transparency. And we used Confluence, the one of Atlassian's products, yes, but that was uh, such an integral part to how teams could collaborate with one another and understand the progress of work being done. Um, the founders are very focused on uh, you know, sharing information and making sure that everyone has access to you know, as, as much information as they were able to share. Um, and they were active in Slack and on Confluence and they would leave comments on blog posts that you would share. And so the culture to me, it really came down to um, you know, an emphasis on trust, autonomy, respect and collaboration. That's so cool. So as a, as a product manager uh, at Atlassian, you spent a lot of your time um, in the DevOps space. And DevOps is this big thing. You know, we know that it's, it's, it's working to uh, bring that, um, I don't know, that, that conflict between running a system and, and, being, and being responsible for delivering new value, right? Uh, IT operations type folks want to have reliability and consistency and don't want a lot of change as, the, as you know, an older way of thinking. And software developers, it's all about delivering value fast and often. And DevOps is hoping to, to, to kind of bridge that gap and bring a culture that, that enables that, uh, that ability to deliver value and, of course, reliability. Um, your, your time at Atlassian wasn't around chaos engineering. You know, it's not necessarily an Atlassian thing per se. But, but now that you've moved on to Gremlin, you're, you're picking up, I'm sure, a lot of new um, understandings of, of what chaos engineering exactly is. Tell us more about uh, your transition to, um, to Gremlin. You know, perhaps why Gremlin and where you see kind of DevOps uh, going forward or, or perhaps being more widely adopted? Yeah, sure. So uh, I'll actually start with the middle question there, which is, you know, why make that transition? So like I shared, I have had incredible experiences at Atlassian and I actually wasn't looking to make a change. But what is so compelling to me about what Gremlin stands for is the focus uh, on reliability. And it's about helping teams and companies build a culture of reliability, making reliability an important part of their business objectives. And the reason why I think that's, you know, so relevant is that it's never been more important than it is today, right? If you think about how technology is connecting us through COVID, right? Whether that's for schools, right? Like a good example is HISD is the seventh largest school district in, in the country. And on their first day of virtual learning, they had a five hour outage. And so that means that none of those students were able to, to get online, to start school, had a ripple effect on teachers and on parents who were at home trying to help, you know, mitigate some of those technical issues. Well, and trying to get their own jobs done because they're yeah, you know, exactly. at work, right? Can you imagine? <laughs> That's right. Everything kind of goes and gets put on pause. Um, and then I think from a personal perspective, right? Like it's technology is connecting us. Like this is a great example where we're recording this over Zoom. How do you stay connected to your to your family members who are states away that you can't visit and, and spend time with? And and how do you, you know, celebrate joys, celebrate losses together when you can't come together in person? You use technology. Um, there are things that are irreplaceable face to face, but I think you know technology is doing a great job of trying to mitigate that, and making sure that those systems are available, responsive, and reliable is is what Gremlin is all about. 
Um, and so, you know, we believe that the best way to start building a culture of reliability is through the practice of chaos engineering. Very cool. Eileen, you know, we're, we're living in, uh, through this time of incredible di disruption right now all across the board in, in all walks of life and in all avenues of, you know, social and business. Um, so how does chaos? How does chaos engineering kind of um, apply to everything from, you know, politics to music to uh, environmental uh, d disasters we might face um, and just everything in the world right now? Yeah, that's a that's a good question. Um, you know, at its core, it's about just making things whether that's, you know, a, a product or a system or an application, and you can expand that into, into anything, is how do you make systems more resilient? And you could say, you know, we want to, you know, run a series of experiments to understand how we make our economy more resilient and successful. But you could also say, how do we do that for things like um, the, in the music industry, make sure artists are, you know, successful in, in providing that that incredible um, audience experience or you could say you know maybe there's a way in which we can look into some of the civil unrest and how are how are there things that we could have better prepared for to make sure that we didn't end with you know such a chaotic year right how exactly we go about doing that I'm probably not the best to answer but I do believe that you know having um, a culture around getting comfortable with intentionally and thoughtfully breaking systems whether that system is an application or you know an institution um, you know hopefully it yields to more resilient perform more resilient systems performance and people when I'm hearing all this stuff like you know it's like hearing a different language you know, because I'm not a tech guy. Like, I don't even own a laptop. I'm using my wife's laptop, you know. So, um, but, you know, um, we, we were talking and um, we were trying to kind of get to the bottom of, you know, um, what what is chaos engineering? And um, so uh, Christian was kind of trying to take it into my musical world a little bit. He goes, well... Imagine you did it like this, like you have your stage tech, you guys are going to do your sound check, right? So when no one's looking, I'll go unplug uh, the guitar amp or something like that. And then I'll say to my guitar tech, hey man, what's going on? This guitar amp's not working. You know what I mean? Or just start pulling the plug. So, um, and then we were talking about the the old school Easter egg concept that uh, that software developers would use. So mm -hmm. can, can you just kind of break down a little bit more like the, you know, the, the chaos engineer. Yeah, you bet. I like that analogy of what happens when you're on stage. So I'll take it a little step further, but a big part of it <clears throat> comes down to customer experiences. So how do you ensure that there's continuity continuity in the customer experience. So in your case, Garrett, this would be the audience, right? So let's say you're mid-show and your mic goes out or uh, which would probably be worst case scenario, but you know, maybe it's it your <laughs> it happens. So what do you do, right? Like, and how do you, how do you start, um, you know, training for that? And that's a big part of, of what chaos engineering is, is helping you um, get familiar and comfortable with your systems. And when, when a lot of companies are moving to the cloud, there are a lot of distributed systems. And so the complexity becomes, you know, 
or the systems become even more complex. And so uh, what we want to do is help you uncover weaknesses and vulnerabilities in those systems so that you can avoid an awkward moment on stage or, you know, where your entire site goes down because that's costly, right? It's costly to your business's bottom line. It's costly to your brand reputation and you have to you know, then focus on building customer trust. Yeah. So I like that analogy of on stage. It's not one I've really thought of before, but I think it's, it's, it's pretty, uh, pretty relevant. Can you give another like a real life uh, example, you know, that, that happens in, in a tech world, like mm-hmm. the Zoom use Gremlin technology or, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Where we see a lot of adoption is with site reliability engineers, those that are responsible for, you know, maintaining systems and services. Um, So I'll I'll give you a couple of examples that are coming to mind. One would be, you know, where the the concept of chaos engineering in that practice was really pioneered was at Netflix and at Mm -hmm. Amazon. Mm -hmm. And that's where our founders came from. So if Netflix experiences any downtime, it can cost them millions of dollars in sunk costs, right? Because there are however many hundreds of thousands or millions of people that are, uh, you know, accessing that massive scale. (laughs) Right. Right. Um, a good example of one of our customers is actually HEB, which is a, a, a Texas-based grocery store. And you wouldn't think of them as being, you know, a digital first, but they have a digital department. And that, that team was responsible for curbside delivery and, and pickup services. So they already knew like that, you know, that was important to some of their customers. But when COVID hit, the demand completely skyrocketed. So what they were doing was bringing Gremlin into into their teams to really test this the system. So systems being, you know, could customers actually access the shopping cart? Could the, the folks who were actually selecting the groceries, did they have responsive systems? Did they know what those groceries needed to be? And the goal really was just to provide a safe and secure way for customers to get groceries, you know, a, really important part of their 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 daily lives and so um that's one example of where we're seeing chaos engineering um you know be effective in terms of team practices but more often than not it's it's a lot with uh retail and and finance where the cost of downtime is you know very very high yeah so um I think the, the timing is, is pretty great for Gremlin and those folks in the chaos engineering space. Um, for the longest time, you know, over the last you know, 10, 15 years, whatever, we've been talking more and more about agility and being able to deliver value fast. Um, and that's still a very, very important thing for businesses. But more and more now, the conversations that I'm hearing with you know, CIOs and, and folks and, and the, the customers we work with is, is resilience. And it's ensuring that while you're still introducing a lot of change and bringing value is ensuring that you, you know, no matter what happens, you're going to run. So whether mm-hmm. we're in some, you know, pandemic uh, where people can't go and move and travel perhaps as freely as they once could, um, or, you know, civil unrest, political unrest, like any number of things are, are things that cause disruption. And that's effectively what um, chaos ops is trying to protect against, right? It's just disruption mm-hmm. in general. Um, how how are you seeing are you seeing uh, an increase in movement towards chaos engineering? Uh, what's the what's the take on you know the products you know these days and you know what what is what is what are you learning about the market itself? Yeah, great question. So, what Gremlin is doing is category defining. We are the only right. hosted offering for a chaos engineering 
tool in market, right? There is, there are open source tools, um, but we are the only company that provides chaos engineering services. So what we look at is interest in, in the category to help us understand growth. And we're still seeing really positive trends. Um, you know, I think reliability, resiliency, those terms, if you even just do a Google trends analysis have yeah. increased considerably in 2020. I um, hmm. was talking yep. to a colleague and I said, if resilience isn't Webster Miriam's or Miriam Webster's 2020 word, 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 word of the year, <laughs> like, I don't know what it is. I thought it was divisiveness. <laughs> <laughs> I'm hoping for resiliency. It's yeah, I like resilience. Optimistic. Yes, thank you. <laughs> well, we're, so it's funny, like we're testing systems and technology resilience, but we're also testing the resilience of individuals. Um, you know, one of my, I'm sure most observations um, is that the, the, um, uh, the fuses are getting shorter and shorter. I think everyone's under a lot of stress. And I think we're all showing just how resilient we are, though. And so it's uh, definitely amazing, challenging times, to say the least. Tell us more about the, the software, your product. Um, how, how does it enable you know, someone to go through, I guess, the various stages and steps that you take towards chaos engineering? Is there a piece that helps you with actually like, assessing and defining you know, steady states? Is there a capability that helps you with actually defining your experiments? Uh, how does it help you through that, the maturity of chaos engineering as well? Like what, 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 are the, what is the tool helping us with? Yeah, yeah, that's, that's a great question. So I'm actually, you know, I think we talked a little bit about DevOps and we talked about the importance of mm -hmm. culture and practice mm -hmm. as part of that. Mm -hmm. And so I think a big part of making teams successful with Gremlin, the tool is making them successful with the practice first. And so there's a bit of education around how do you actually bring in, you know, habits and practices around mm -hmm. chaos engineering. So there's a lot of education that we're doing up front there. And, and some of that comes in the form of written content or webinars or game days or boot camps, things that we will offer to our customers. And then the tooling really, you know, advances that by allowing you to connect to your systems. So, we ask you up front in our onboarding flows, what what does your tech stack look like? Help us understand your, your overall environment. And then based on those responses or inputs, we would then recommend scenarios that you can go run and test against in your environment. Those scenarios are often, you know, pretty common. Um, common scenarios that, that a lot of customers may face, and that could be latency, it could be um, things like downtime or um, DNS, for example, but mm -hmm. That's one way that we do it. And then we'd like to, you know, our, our goal and to, to one of the things that you, you just mentioned is how do we get more proactive and predictive and how do we right. help you uncover your unknowns rather than forcing you to try and figure out some of those unknowns. So, so that's sort of a, you know, the future of, of where we're trying to take the product. Gotcha. Now is that in an AI way or is that in a, um, more of just the practices of, and, and the habit of being proactive and the habit of trying to look down the road a little further? Um, so that would be just connecting to your tools and understanding like where there may be points of vulnerability. So really just helping you find your, your existing points of failure. Uh, I'll tell you one that Zoom has. <laughs> What's that? What's that, G? Is latency. Uh, because, <laughs> you, you, for instance, I mean, whatever, just a slight interjection here, but you can't, you can't jam on Zoom. There's no platform that's out there right now that musicians can jam in real time. So if Christian and I... If I clapped and he wants to clap on my beat, well, actually, he's going to be just slightly behind, so it's impossible to jam. So that's one new possible client for you. 
But I gotta say, G, uh, I'm impressed with your ability to uh, give harmonica, teach harmonica lessons with the latency. So uh, G and I did a little, a little harmonica <laughs> lesson. And uh, oh yeah, Christian uh, and I have experienced like as a real time. Yeah, I was a step behind. He's like, no, just just play, and I'll try to I'll try to like find you because he was playing the guitar riff for me to kind of play on top of. Uh, right. So cheers to you and credit to you, uh, G, for being so talented. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> but it's awesome that you know with the Zoom. You're uncovering that, right? You understand it. It's it's relevant to to you, a musician who you said, admittedly, you don't own a laptop. You're not, you know, tech savvy or can't remember the exact language you use, but you understand, you know, that that pain is acute for you too. And so that's what we're really just trying to to advocate for is get to know your system so that you can get to know your customers or vice right. versa, get to know your customers yeah. and then understand how the systems and, and um, you know, the complexities of those systems can really impact customer experiences. Absolutely. So maybe more of a marketing question, but um, just share with, share with us some of your philosophies on, on marketing products. Um, how do you approach, you know, um, who, who are you targeting on your audience? Obviously, I mean, it's just SREs, but just give us a little bit of background on your philosophy of marketing and marketing products. So for me, it all comes down to your key personas. Who are you marketing to? Get to know them in and out as much as you possibly can, whether that's through user research um, or you know consuming the content that they're consuming. What are the publications that they read? What are the forums that they're engaged in? Get to know your your key persona, understand them as a as a human, mm-hmm. and then understand the 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 challenges that they may be facing, whether that's related to your product or, you know, maybe more existential, uh, that might be somewhat controversial to say, but it's true, right? <laughs> you really want to know who they are um, mm. at, at their core. And then you need to know, okay, what is the product that we're selling and we're taking to market? And how can we layer that over some of the pains that they're feeling to help, you know, uh, provide value um, and some additional service to them that they may not be aware of exists. Yeah. So I, for me, it all comes down to, to really knowing your customer and knowing how and where you can reach them through what channels and what means. And then messaging has to support all of the, the pain points that you've identified. Um, and so, but I'm, I'm an advocate for value-based, you know, marketing and messaging rather yeah. than just feature-based. And we market to and sell to SREs and developers. And there's you know, this notion that they want, they don't want anything marketing related. Right. And so what that forces us to do is make sure that we have a very authentic voice, that we're speaking technically and directly to them and that we're not adding, you know, layers of, of fluff for a lack of a better mm-hmm. word on top of it, where they may <laughs> sniff through the BS and say, like, they don't know what they're talking about. So uh, we're really we have an advantage, I think, at Gremlin because we've got several in-house SREs who are developer advocates and evangelists who can really help us, you know, refine our position and market and validate Mm -hmm. a lot of what we're putting out there. And then they are also the spokespeople externally. So these, these folks are speaking weekly at webinars, conferences, and and events. Very cool. I was uh, fortunate that in the last 12 years of our partnership with Atlassian, I've gotten to go to Atlassian's offices a lot. And I was always impressed with how committed Atlassian was to the personas so much that uh, the, the personas are sitting above the urinals in the restrooms. So while you're taking care of your, your bio break, uh, you're actually reading the personas. <laughs> That's a persona commitment right there. It's true. It's true. It's an important part of what we do. Kind of uh, shifting gears, Eileen, to more of your uh, personal downtime. Or I don't know if you're rocking tunes at Gremlin while you're working, but... Um, I heard through the grapevine that you're kind of old-fashioned in, in your music consumption. 
so how do you how do you consume uh, music these days or has the digital transformation uh, affected you to connect in different ways <laughs> sure. sure yeah um, so I grew up in a, in a household where music was uh, we listened to a lot of music right and and it was an important part of our family and never a musician I I dabbled a little bit with the harmonica but it was it was very embarrassing but so needless to say I'm a huge uh, uh, I have such admiration for musicians so um, I would say you know when I really got into music let's say like elementary and middle school most of what I was listening to came from my older sister and I would steal her tapes and then I would listen to the radio and I would make mixtapes from the radio then that evolved into CDs and you know, we could burn CDs and create mixed CDs for one another. I will say that Philadelphonic record, I listened to the hell out of that CD oh, so much so that it was... <laughs> Worn it out. <laughs> Worn it out, man. It All was right. scratched. <laughs> scratched up. Um, and, and then Napster came along and changed the game, right? And yeah. then the introduction of Pandora and Spotify. And so uh, the way that I, I consume music, sure, has changed. The, the way that I discover music somewhat has changed right like it's still through friends and connections it's still through going to meet well when i could actually go to shows i would discover new musicians that way whether they were the openers or yep. sometimes the headliners because i'd go for the openers um and oh, then cool. you know honestly old school like austin has some killer radio stations oh, yes. kutx sun radio they've got these great apps so if i'm not there i can listen to uh listen to them, you know, on my phone. So I think that's changed it to some degree. Um, Spotify has that cool feature where you can see what your friends are listening to, which right. feels a little stalker-ish, but it's also <laughs> a great way to discover, you know, what, what people are jamming out to either that day or or maybe some something that you, you know, want to want to check out yourself. Are you from Austin? I'm from Houston originally. Are you from, okay. Well, you obviously live in one of the best music towns in the world. <laughs> yep. It's such a great city. Yeah, great venues. Um, you know, I will say I, I do have a little bit of venue allegiance, and so that's often a way that I discover music is I'll just go to a venue and see uh, what's, who's performing like, What's, like, your favorite venues in Austin? I love Mohawk, Continental Club. Um, sea Boys is great. Uh, I'm not sure if you've ever been there, but that's on South Congress. But they've okay. got uh, usually really good, like, kind of soul blues lineup oh cool wow i don't know any of those places <laughs> check them out okay eileen are you ready for our speed round let's do it okay vegetable gremlin or electric gremlin electric cold beverage or baby's got sauce cold beverages jira or confluence Confluence for life. <laughs> Have you convinced Gremlin to get the Confluence cone yet? It's a little bit of an uphill battle. I'm not going to lie. We've got Google Docs and it's like the bane of my existence right now. But uh, yeah, Confluence <laughs> all the way. <laughs> right on. We, we love and appreciate the allegiance. Uh, beach or mountains? Beach. Teleport anywhere or read minds? Teleport, definitely. Okay. Yeah, I think that's a good one, too. <laughs> yeah, I, don't, I don't really want to know what's going on in some people's minds. I just want to get good. out of here, man. Yeah. <laughs> Can you imagine travel. how loud that would be? <laughs> uh, all right, so Mexican foodie over here. Uh, better tacos, California or Texas? Texas, definitely. 
What about that place on South Congress? Gueros? Gueros, yeah, yeah. There you go. Is that a tourist <laughs> trap or is that the bomb? Both? <laughs> I mean, like, you gotta, you gotta love it. It's a long-running, awesome place. It's got a great outdoor space. Delicious margaritas. margaritas. Oh, yeah, yeah, great margaritas. You gotta love it. Um, but, you know, I mean, South Congress can be fun, too. But that little section gets... <laughs> Hectic. Okay, trail running in Banff National Park or trail running on Mount Blanc? I think Banff. Yeah, I don't know the elevation of either of those, but uh, I'm gonna go with Banff. Okay. Nice. <laughs> I got another. Uh, I've got two write-ins here. Um, these aren't the venues you mentioned, but I'll go ahead and ask: Emos or Stubs? Stubs. Oh, oh! Do I have a good story? <laughs> Let's hear so, it. Uh, Garrett, I actually met you briefly outside Uh-oh. of Stubbs. <laughs> um, I think it was like 2002, 2003. Wow. Uh, you did a show there and you were hanging out after and you were super sweet. And um, I still have the signed ticket from, from that show. So oh, sweet. Stubbs, for sure. Oh, cool. Hey, hey gee, um, I've always wondered, the, the backstage at Stubbs is actually on the side and what looks to be a very old structure what's it like back there <laughs> uh there's nothing there's not oh yeah 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 the backstage is kind of or, or you have to go on it's kind of awkward because to get yeah. backstage you have to crawl you have to traverse the stage uh-huh so you're either gonna be back there and stay there or you can't if you're an artist you can't really get from your bus to the so anyways yeah it's just uh actually they have a cool air they have a cool airstream that they tricked out back there Okay. And, uh, yeah, just a little green room in a production office. It's pretty low-key. But, yeah, that's such a wonderful venue. Um, and it's one of – there's another really cool venue in Austin that, that uh, is like a – I can't remember. We played it last time, but it's a, like a smaller version of Stubbs. It's another outdoor version. You know what I'm talking about? Uh, well, there's the Empire Room. is a little outdoor kind of place up on uh, – was that 4th or 8th or so, I think? Yeah, cool in part, yeah. Um, and there's food trucks out there. Mm. Anyhow, but it's really cool to Yeah, right. It's really cool to play Stubbs and uh, those kind of outdoor venues because you're in a yeah. club, but it feels like a bigger situation. But that's yeah, just such yeah. an awesome place. I mean, yeah, such great venues. And then, okay, so my other write-in: uh, Joe's Coffee or Mozart's. Good one, good one. I love Joe's. I really yeah. do. I, I'll, I'm going to go with Joe's. Joe's on second? Yeah, Joe's on second. Congress is very busy, but yeah, Joe's on second. When I was um, at Atlassian, our offices were at third in Colorado, so mm-hmm. I frequented at Joe's. I've got actually three or four of their frequent shopper cards where they punch, <laughs> you know, when you get enough coffee. So, Joe's. All right, I got I got, a, I got a write in. Bird or lime? I've never ridden one, so I don't. <laughs> I don't know. Because um, Austin's such okay. Uh, Austin's such a huge like scooter town. Yeah, you find a lot of those in the river now, and like okay. in random places. It's uh, unfortunate. Uh, but what's funny is I was up in Rochester a few weeks back, and it started snowing, and I, I can't imagine they get much use or utilization of those things at certain times of year. But I guess you're in Austin, you still get, you know, that's, that's year-round kind of a thing. Yeah. So, Eileen, tell us, how, how can we learn more about Gremlin? 
Um, so we've got a lot of really good content out there, whether that's on our blog or through webinars that we're promoting. We actually just ran a, a chaos comp, which is the largest chaos engineering conference ever. We had over 3,500 people register for that event. All of that content is available on our website or through chaosconf.io. And it's a great way to start, you know, just educating yourself on, on the practice. Um, and if anyone listening is interested in getting their hands on the application, we do have a free plan. And so there's a no, no risk, um, low risk way to get into product to just kind of poke around and see if Gremlin's the right application for your teams. So tell us, you know, you, you made a really big move, vice president of marketing at Gremlin, such exciting times. You just moved to Houston. I saw on your Instagram that your, your house is making a lot of progress. What, what are the projects you got going on? Tell us about the house project. Yeah, it's, it's really fun. Um, so we're building from, from ground zero. Um, so I actually just asked the contractor yesterday for a, a timeline. And so we're, we're hoping for middle to, to end of January. Okay. Um, prior Push to COVID. I, like three months. <laughs> <Sorry>. yeah. <laughs> yeah. I feel like we're making good progress, but you're right. Realistic expectations would be good. Um, you know, I, prior to COVID, I was, on, I was gone a week, a month at least. I was always on a plane, whether it was internationally or, or in San Francisco. So, you know, I think a little bit of a, a silver lining to COVID was getting to be in Houston and, and be close to the construction and making some of those decisions. So that's been a really fun project. Um, what part like of town? Said, uh, in Montrose. Oh, sweet. Yeah, Joseph. Uh, you know, Joe, he lived in Montrose yeah. for quite a few years. That's a great spot. It is. Yeah, it's a really Good cool part you. of the town. Thanks. So, yeah, I'm really excited. Uh, one of my favorite shows, G, I've seen you at Numbers, which is just down the street from, uh, oh, yeah. from Montrose. Great venue. Yeah. And then another one's the Fabulous, uh, the Fabulous Satellite Lounge, I think oh, is yeah. what it was. Oh, yeah. Uh, that show was in, was that 99 I saw you? And maybe there were maybe 40 people in that room. Ooh. It was awesome. I don't know wow. if you remember that or not, but I'm yeah, just, as many, shows, many shows you've played, geez. <laughs> I had a fight uh, with my drummer before the show backstage. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> Houseman? Yeah. <laughs> well, I, hope, I guess I guess that worked out. You, you got over that one. Yeah. Oh, we fight all the time, but yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and Houston's got great live music venues. Um, unfortunately, I know Fitzgerald's recently got closed down. That was one that we, was the, we used to frequent in high school and in college. Yep. But Houston had like a, I don't know what the Houston the music scene is these days, but it was awesome in the 90s. Uh, we used to leave our suburbs and drive downtown and see all sorts of great music in Houston. Yeah, I, I'm hoping a lot of the venues make it, uh, you know, yeah. really been, there have been a lot of, you know, petitions for Save Our Stages. And so yeah. trying to get the word out to make sure that these places are still available when, you know, we can resume some sense of normalcy and yeah. all comfortably stand around and enjoy music together. There's a really cool new venue we've been playing the last couple of years in Houston at the White Oak Music Hall. Does that yep. ring a bell? Yep. It's yep. like they have a out, the big outdoor amphitheater, a small upstairs room which holds like 150 or 250 people and then a bigger club room downstairs but it's kind of uh a very kind of un-american style venue i say that because like they offer so many different avenues for you know startup acts to you know big big time acts mm -hmm. so it's kind of yeah. a smart smart venue in a way i'm sure yeah. they'll they'll find a way to survive Hope so, but you know, for those listening, uh, is it save saveourstages.org, I think? There's also a thing called NIVA, uh, National Independent Venues Association. Mm -hmm. 
uh, and they're another good one to support. Oh yeah, it's uh, SaverStages.com. Yeah, they're they're associated to Neva, uh, Neva or not oh, okay, Neva. Cool. Yeah, so yeah, go support them. Sign petitions. We need to get some federal stimulus money. Go in that direction for sure. Yep. Um, we're right on. This has been a lot of fun. Yeah, this has been great. Really enjoyed speaking with you and uh, and meeting you, Garrett. Thanks for all the questions, and hopefully, was able to you know shed some more light on the concept of chaos engineering. Well, Eileen, thanks so much for joining us. This was a ton of fun. Thank you. Yeah, Eileen, thank you for uh, entertaining my uh, questions and uh, educating me, uh, helping me to bridge the gap. Thanks for having me, y'all. It was great to spend the last hour just uh, just, just chatting with the two of you and Garrett getting to know you. Appreciate it. Pretty oh, I, I had one more thing, too. I, I wanted to give, leave you guys with a quote uh, from my favorite rapper, Rakim, who says... After 12, I'm worse than a gremlin. Feed me hip-hop, and I start trembling. Nice. That was I love amazing. It. Thank you. I love it. Way to, to work that in, man. Thanks for listening to the Digital Transformationists podcast, brought to you by Precipio Consulting. Be sure to visit our webpage to check out our other episodes, access show notes and links, and listen to some great bonus content. Like what you heard? Subscribe, rate, and leave us a review. And tell a friend. We love making new friends. I'm executive producer Katie Thomas. Victor Vargas is our engineer. Alejandro Caballero is our editor. Thanks for tuning in.